Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We recommend listening to the CW Pod with a glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon. Mm. Grown, distilled, well-rested, and bottled in Erling, Iowa. Now, from the Channel Seed Studios, this is the CW Pod, fueled by Steeple Ridge. What's up, what's up? Fired up for... Today's show where I can bring in a guy who he needs to start making his own bourbon like my friends over at Steeple Ridge, grain to glass. Chess settles if you made a bourbon in the state of Iowa. I feel like it it could get back some NIL money that you would have gotten (laughs) in the uh, 90s. Hoiberg and I got robbed, didn't we? (laughs) Uh, We could have been doing John Deere commercials. Some Suka Ben commercials. Oh man, uh, maybe maybe a little car dealership. I don't know. Anyway, that's <laughs> the way it goes, man. It's uh, you take uh, you take what you get at the time. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Jess settles needs no introduction here in our state. How are you, my friend? We used to talk all the time. I don't I don't get to talk to you that much anymore. How's life? Hey, everything's really good, and got three daughters. I'm a wonderful wife, Joanna. So just. Raising girls and working and like every other eye want to join this great fall. And I, I will say I'm, I'm a little disappointed Hassel uh, skipped out on us. I mean, it's, that's, you know, he's a little too big time now. He used to want to talk to guys like me, but now that he's, you know, now that he's at the top, it's just, uh, I don't, I don't do much to help his career. So you don't get, you don't seem on things like this. This is great. Yeah. No, there's no better way to start the show than to jabbing it. Chris Hassel. He did tell me to tell you hi. By the way, oh, he's a good man. I appreciate that. But yeah. you know, I still, I still, uh, when I'm strolling around the great state of Iowa, I still have people bring up the show we used to do and uh, mention it some. I, I, I kid you not. So it was, it was fun. And, and, uh, Sullivan and Roscoe and all the guys and everybody who helped out. Oh, with yeah. It. So yeah, miss you, buddy. It's good to see you. We had a good, we had a good run there. And I've, I've always, the door's always open if you want to do more, but you, <laughs> you got sure. a lot. So real real quick, uh, so you are farming, raising your kids. What what is your plan for the basketball season? Is it the same that we've seen of you in the past? Yeah, I I hope so. And it it's usually really last second. You, you know how this business works. There's not a lot of stability or security in it. But I, uh, the games have started to roll in. Uh, the timing of it usually works out pretty well for me. About about the time mid November when the harvest is complete. Uh, 
the basketball season starts. And so I've got some mid-November games. I'll, I'll do some stuff this year for BTN again, FS1. Uh, last year, as you know, I, I had a great opportunity. I called several Big 12 games down the stretch for ESPN. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that and, and had a couple games at Hilton, which I just love calling games there. But the Big 12 is just so loaded and spectacular right now. It's really it's fun to be a part of that conference as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because you've got these new teams coming in, and I I, I kind of hate it. I'm 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 starting to learn, Jess, that I'm becoming the old guy, and yeah. I guess I just need to embrace it. But I love the Big Twelve round robin so much. It invigorated me as a college basketball fan, just because, and it brought me back to days when I was cheering for you and Kingsbury and those type of because it's like you. You really hated those teams because you saw them so often. And it, I guess it was more the case even when you played because guys would stay for five years. So everybody knew each other. Coaches didn't hop the way that they do now. And now, like, I'm so Big 12 Media Day was, was yesterday, and I'm looking at some of these rosters. I don't even know who these guys are. Like, it's like the, the amount of prep work that guys like you have to do when you go and do these games is incredible when you're turning over seven guys every year the whole thing's just wild it really is and i do not follow recruiting so i kind of come into november with a clean slate and just have to really study and start watching those first couple games and exhibition games and start memorizing names and and figuring guys out but you're exactly right it's not fan friendly at all um revenge is a huge part of sports and legacy against your rivalries, it's a huge part of sports. Uh, you know, think think of George Nyang. I mean, of all the wonderful things George did and his skill set and his dominance, it's his four wins, I believe, against Iowa. He never lost to Iowa. Like, that matters 50 years from now. And all these teams coming and going, I don't know where it all ends up, but you're right. The Big 12 was kind of the last hope that we could count on where you, if you're going to hang – a banner. If you're going to put a trophy in the trophy case, you're going to have to win at home, and then you're going to have to go back on the road and beat that same team. You're going to have to beat Kansas home, and you're going to have to beat them at the buzzer at Fog. And for those things to be taken away, it, it definitely waters it down. What, what's a championship anymore? I mean, obviously the team that wins it at the end is happy. But if you don't have to go on the road and beat two or three of the top teams in the league, it's obviously not the same as the third place team who had those great wins and maybe had an injury yeah. and lost a couple at home. I'm totally with you. I, I I can't stand it, but it's here to stay and it's only going to get quote unquote worse in the eyes of the purists like us who just I I tell you what, as a competitor, there was nothing more that got under my skin and made me sick for a week than losing home court advantage to let's say a team like Indiana or mm. Michigan state. And it, it nagged at me for uh, two weeks until I could go back and try to get revenge. And those things are gone now. And that, and that just makes it really tough. The worst part for me is I'm a big fan of the women's game. I always have been. And that was kind of like, we had that at least where it was yeah. like, I can still watch uh, the you know, the women, the Iowa and Iowa State women, and it's like you can watch this gal as a freshman and watch her become a senior and, you know, like the Ashley Jones of the world. And uh, and, and you're still getting that, but then, like, the portal's becoming this thing now in women's basketball with NIL where 
you know, some of these women, like the top end ones are getting six figures and they'll just up and leave now where we don't, we don't even have that anymore. Cause that, that to me is like the difference with college and, and pro it's like, I'm a, okay. I'm a fan of the Chicago bulls, but I realize when my guy, his contracts up, he can leave. It's, it's kind of part of the understanding I have as a fan with college. We all grew up and I, I don't know if it's right or wrong or whatever, but Part of the reason like why you are so popular in the state and why Niang is so popular and a guy like Jordan Bohannon is because we all we watched George Niang come in as this chunky kid from Massachusetts that had a big mouth. And, you know, he evolved into this icon that like, you know, you watch it this through hard work and grit and he's become a ten year NBA guy now. We watched you go through trials and tribulations and, and injuries. We the same with Bohannon. And then it's like you you had this lasting thing, and it it I, I I don't think that we don't enjoy the games as much because I think fans ultimately root for laundry. Like when the Hawkeyes are playing or the Cyclones are playing, we're going to root. But I, I don't know if we have the like emotional attachment, if that makes sense. No, I totally agree. You, you get to know these kids, and you see them around town, and there's articles written, and. You have a kid who comes in and is averaging three or four points and can't make a free throw and is out of shape and scared or whatever it is. And then two years later, this kid yeah. you know, is hitting game-winning shots to win a championship for you or making a run, and you just get to know them. You grow up with them, and you, you find out what they're studying, their academics and their future. And, yeah, those are – and and the coaches are under this pressure too. I mean, look, you take a, look at Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, one of the elite players in the world right now would you would you ha- rather have him for a year with all the hype, or do you want Luca Garza for four or five years to you know to, to yeah. build your program on it, or a George Niang? These are the these are the conversations coaches are having as well how to how to manage their roster, how to recruit. Uh, do I pour into this guy or gal because I've heard a rumor from his or her uncle that she's going to or he's going to leave for this NIL next year? It's become pay for play, whether they want to call it that or not, to to have the COVID situation where you get an extra year, then they open up the transfer, then, oh, by the way, you can do NIL all in the same time frame. It's just opened up Pandora's box and it's and it's upset the basket. Uh, don't blame the kids for no. trying to uh, maximize it, but as far as a fan and as far as getting to know people and latching on to a player, it's uh, it's getting tougher and tougher and and yet that little piece of paper with the brackets on it in March, that comes out and it's like all's forgotten and everybody's all in and that's what drives it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we we're, we cheer for laundry at the end of the day. There's yeah. there's no doubt yeah. about that. All right, Jess, let's let's get into some basketball as the media days and stuff are, are kind of wrapping up. Uh, I'll get into Iowa with you, but I'll, I'll probably do more in depth on them. But you did – spent some time around the Big 12, and you also covered T.J. Otzelberger's teams, I believe, when you were doing Mountain West games, right, when yeah. he was at yes. Yes. UNLV. So you do have a pretty good sense of, you know, what – there's a ton of newcomers again this year, but you have a pretty good sense of his what program. Why, why do you think it is that he ultimately with, you know, not the most talented rosters in the Big 12 by any means, but why, is, why has he been so successful so early on? at Iowa State. He's had he's been there for so long and and just because you're not the head coach doesn't mean you're not a major player in success and what he was there with McDermott, 
Hoiberg, Prom, right? All, all those guys. So yeah, he, all he, knows, he knows the lay of the land. When you when you talk to him, it's his. It is his dream job. It is. He has a passion for that place. He. It's almost like he was born in Ames, and it's like as a coach. Most guys have their their destination, the place that they want to go and be, and the place that lights them on fire. And most of the time, even if you graduate and you're an alum of that university, you don't ever get a chance to go back and lead it. So he he really deeply feels like this is that he you know by the grace of God he's in the the place he's always wanted to be. So there's just something about that. You just wake up stoked and and ready to go and ready to win. I mean, defensively, his defense travels. Um, I think what what Kyle Green and and he have done, uh, the trapping of the post, they're very good at that. They're sending guys from from every direction on the court, and it really messes teams up, and it gets you out of your rhythm. Uh, I thought they overachieved last year. They obviously got off to the great start. They beat North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina ended up not being who we thought they were going to be, but they they really kind of maxed out early, and then they're they're fighting through the conference every single night down the stretch is a tough game. I just I just think the way that he coaches defense is always going to carry, and he's a master recruiter, Chris. I mean, the guy can recruit. He he goes into the living rooms and wins that relationship. You got five guys coming in trying to get this same kid, and he goes in and wins it. I first got to know him through someone else, Melvin Edgem. Yeah. Melvin Edgem. I, my wife and I covered, I think it was an Oklahoma State game, maybe five or six years ago when Hoiberg was the coach. And I sat down, we talked to Melvin for about a half an hour. And I, I didn't know TJ at that point. And I started asking him, why did you come here? Why did you stay here? Who's been the biggest influence on your life? And he keeps, he keeps pouring out about TJ and what he means to his life and the meetings that they've had and the counseling sessions. And he made me this and I'm who I am. And I said, well, who the heck is this guy? And then when I got, when I started covering the Mountain West, uh, I, I did a few Zooms with him at Colorado State, and I just started asking about all the guys he'd recruited and the lives that he poured into, and he's just a lifer. He's, he's one of those guys, and there are fewer of them be, around now, who if he wasn't coaching right now at that level and with all the success and fame and fortune that comes with it, there's no question TJ would be, he would be making 3000 a year and coaching a history class somewhere in Wisconsin. If he wasn't coaching at Iowa state, he has a passion for kids in the game. It's always been about kids in the game and he's never going to change. And I I'm, I'm serious on that. He, that's what he'd be doing tomorrow. If, if this high level was taken away from him, I don't think he'd go. I don't think he has any aspirations to coach in the NBA or anything no. like that. Like it, no. there's, there's just none of it. I, I and like, I, I, you know, you think about like, oh, what job would this guy leave for, or whatever? And like, I, I, I do think that like this is kind of. I'm not saying he'll be there forever. Things change. Like, you know, right. athletic directors come and go. Like, that's that's a big statement, but certainly feels like it now. And it feels like too, you know, the Iowa State thing's weird. Because, you know, that crowd there, like, during the Hoiberg years, and I know you attended a ton of those games, it's like it, it would get fueled by these, you know, 15-0 runs and, like, you know, three-point shots. And, and, like, what's been interesting to watch for me is the the crowd now is fueled by stops on the defensive end. Because it's like, well, you're only scoring in the – it's kind of like Iowa football is how I compare it to. It's like, yeah, we just got a big, you know – 
Taylor just pinned him back deep. Yeah, we're going to go crazy. And that's how Iowa State fans are when they like take a charge now. Like the 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 whole the whole vibe of that place is different now. It's wild. It's not in a bad way. It's just I don't know when you play that defensive style, like the fan base has to kind of come around to it too. And I, I didn't know if Iowa State fans could after the Hoiberg years, and you know some of those prom teams were really high scoring. But I, it's I think they've done a pretty good job of promoting that brand. And what'll be interesting about them though now, Jess, is they're younger this year and they actually have a lot more talent. Right. So can you get guys? You know, like Baloo and this Momchilovich is the guy who I'm just so fired up to see out of Wisconsin. He's a freshman. I think he's a I think he's a lottery pick at some point. But wow. can you get these types of guys to buy into that kind of gross style, right? And to me that's what I feel like Iowa State is gonna be a much better team in February than it will be in September, right? Because it and I do think he's got a little bit of a different challenge this year, just seeing because you're you're always bringing six, seven new guys in, but now they're at a higher end, and it's not just these junkyard dogs that have been told that you're not good enough anymore. Now it's guys that everybody wanted. So will they do the dirty stuff? I'm fascinated to see that. Yeah, I am too. Because I mean, if you look at last year's team, regard those guys had a hard time scoring. Regardless of the system, there were not a lot of guys on the floor who could just break someone down and out-athlete a guy and and just get you 25 points. And as you're talking about these newcomers, if they can stick around for a couple years, I think he has guys now who can score. So can TJ, who's obsessed with defense, who only thinks about defense, who, who doesn't want to do anything else but play defense, he's going to probably have to adjust obviously based upon the talent that he has and and maybe maybe push pace a little bit more maybe try to score a little bit more depending on personnel that's going to be a that's going to be a big thing for him and that's a good it's a good analogy with Iowa football it's like even with Kirk like it's hard to get those guys to change Uh. especially if they're winning but when you don't score many points and you're not winning, that's when it gets to be. That's when everybody gets upset, right? Well, that, you, that NCAA win, tournament you're only game. Scoring 50. <laughs> oh, that what they have in the tournament. It was like 36 against Pitt or yeah, something. It was just right. excruciating. But you know, all right. Um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to get on to Iowa. Before I get into the team, uh, Fran McCaffrey said some stuff last week. The new interim AD, Beth Getz, has openly talked about moving the students up. So I-, I wanted to pick your brain on this because when I remember watching your games, Carver was insane. Like that place was freaking crazy off the hook. Now, I mean, to be honest, it's hard to get students there. Like they'll show up for the big games on Saturdays, but unfortunately with the Big Ten, you don't get a lot of those because they play a lot of Sunday games. You know, um, what do you think is the biggest difference, and and like how do they how do they get back to that? I, I guess as far as getting the getting the students more involved and just that that 
I don't want to say lack of energy because they've had good crowds, but it's not consistent. What's the difference in your mind? You cut out on me just for a second there. The difference between sort of our era and, and yeah, now. I just as far as the the atmosphere goes, because yeah. when when you played, like it, it felt like you know, it felt like the students were always there. It 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 always seemed like it, or maybe I'm just like nostalgic to like better times when that Raycon music would come on, and it's like oh, the Hawkeyes are playing, but like it. I don't. It, it it has seemed they've had good teams. It's this is not like the Licklider era when you're showing up and getting your teeth yeah. kicked in. Like Fran's going to tournaments every year. They're not they're not bad. What do you think the difference is? And and do you think just moving the students up like the new AD is talking about will will do the trick? What do you think it is? It's a you know it's it's a forty five minute conversation. It's uh, I think a lot of it is common sense. I think it's not that hard to fix. Uh, for some reason, um, during the Gary Barta era, he he did, wasn't that concerned about it, or or was being blocked in some way of doing a lot about that. Uh, just uh, I, the reality is, is Carver is not in a great location. Um, it's very difficult to get there on a Wednesday night for an eight o'clock game when there's an ice storm outside. Yeah. Uh, people are more comfortable staying home. It's not like Hilton where you can get in there with all the parking surrounding there, get in, get out, get to Hickory Park, get yourself a meal, get home and still be able, you know, still have a little energy to get up and work the next day. Um, moving the students down absolutely will help. Uh, they've got to find a way to get the parking situation figured out, whether that's valet parking, whether that's busing people in, um, the, the, the game experience as far as it's very difficult to get down the steps, especially if you're getting older, if you've got the, you know, the nicks, the bruises, and it, you, you can't walk all the way down there. Um, th- there's got to be a way to get some, uh, to get the sweets put in there. Uh, the food experience is not any good at all. Uh, the overall, the, I, the, the Wi-Fi situation, I don't believe that great. There's just, there's a lot of things just that, for the regular fan getting how do we get people from burlington from des moines from centerville from dubuque to be able to come get in there easy with traffic parking game experience and and then you know i I think you would i would i think you would see attendance improve um there, there are four or five other things but there's just those simple things that that maybe you can do to fix on as far as overall game experience um, it's a 45 minutes of conversation, Chris. How many parking tickets have you gotten on campus in your years? I mean, it was, I mean, Kingsbury and I were at the point where we were like having a competition until, you know, our mom and dad about, you know, four months later, start calling us, threatening us to make, throw us out of school. Our parents. Yeah. That, that, that whole situation is really, really tough. Oh. And like right now, if you're going to go to a game at Carver, you know, where do you park? Uh, where, where, where do you come in? Where do you come out? If you don't have a special spot, I mean, it's just, it's just tough. Can you, you know, can you work with the university hospital and get a parking ramp where you can have a skywalk going over to the arena so you can park indoors and stay indoors the whole time there? You know, we've had these conversations over the years. It's it, during the nineties, our teams were extremely popular. And like you said, you people stayed four years. People got to know you extremely well. And so when you have those type of teams, people are going to find a way. The Iowa wrestling crowd is a unique group of people. They're going to find a way. They're going to they're going to get the four wheel drive and go through the snowdrift to go watch 
a team dominate and be number one in the country. Uh, Caitlin Clark, Clark is an aberration. She yeah. is must-see TV. She's once in a lifetime. People are going to find a way to plan their week around her game for a couple years. But I think I think what Beth is going to try to do, and uh, she's already reached out to a few people and she's already made it public that she's very concerned about it and wants to do make it better. But uh, you're going to have to get out and you're going to have to go to Hilton. You're going to have to go to Cameron. You're going to have to go to Fog. you got to figure it out. you got to talk to those people. How are we constantly getting these type of people? And how do you get people when you don't have a great team to make the experience so so good that you just want to go to be a part of it. Yeah, that's a good answer. Jess settles uh, with me here. Uh, go out and get yourself a bottle of Steeple Ridge, baby, for the upcoming weekend. Jess, I'm gonna get you one in the mail. It's good. You as a farmer would appreciate it. They're uh, at there in Erling. They do it literally like everything that they grow on the farm is their bourbon. It's it's good stuff. I'll I'll, I'll send you a bottle. I'm telling you, you need a Jess settles bourbon. You could be a multi multi millionaire. If we, if we go that direction, if you need some investors, uh, I'm your guy. Jess settles with us here. It appears that I uh, lost Jess. I'm sure that he's going to be joining us, jumping right back on here um, as we're talking college basketball for those watching on the YouTube. Uh, Jess is one of the best dudes that I've ever met in this industry. He is a guy who I actually, as a kid, told the story to many of you before, but I actually grew up an Iowa fan. And um, Jess was one of my heroes as a kid. And then, of course, met him through my years at KXNO, where he and Jake Sullivan would come on on Mondays and, and break down the college basketball, um, just everything college basketball with me and Ross Peterson. We did a couple of live shows together, and he was one of the first guys I actually called when we started Iowa Everywhere. Just a, just a great dude. All right, he's back with me now. Um, Jess, let's talk. Uh, this this Iowa team is really interesting because it doesn't have the like guy. It doesn't have the man. Um, there's no Murray. There's no Luca Garza. There's no even like a you you have. There's not even like a Jordan Bohannon, I guess, as far as star power goes. But what what you do have is is a bunch of dudes who have played. And then from from what I've gathered, and I, I've been, I knew I was going to do this with you and trying to do my prep. Folks around Iowa City really like this freshman class, it seems like. Now, having said that, it's hard to win in the Big Ten with with freshmen, especially in this era of college basketball where it feels like everybody's getting older. I guess what do you think on the surface would be a successful season? Is it is, is it is it NCAA tournament? Is that like the goal here? What what do you what do you think where, where do you put that? Yeah, uh these these kids have had a heck of a run here and you know, Sanford Perkins um, that they've had a taste of it and, and that would be, that would be the ideal goal. I mean, the top of the big 10 is going to be loaded. Purdue is, Purdue is going to be tough to beat with Edie coming back. Just like what we talked about off the top. I mean, he's one of those wily veterans. He's going to be there four or five years and he's dominant. It's going to be tough to get through them. Michigan state's pretty loaded this year. If this Iowa team could get the NCAA tournament, that that would be a big win. Um, I just, I've talked to coach McCaffrey a few times over the last month. And he keeps talking about it's one of the deepest teams he's ever had in his career, and he's been at it a long time. And there are about eight or nine guys who can flat out shoot the basketball. And that it's hard to quantify that in this game this year. You really can't touch these guys. It's you can't play physical with these guards coming off the screens anymore. You can't grab and hold. So when you have a team that can really shoot it, um, you can win a lot of games just on the analytics. 
And the, the thing about Iowa, people people criticize about the defense. There's no question. But the, the thing about it is, Chris, they're going to score 80 to 85 points, which which means your team has to as well to beat them. Yeah. And so they get you pushing and running up and down, and you think you've got a great defensive team, and they hit five or six threes in a row on you, and that all that all goes out the window. So I, I think – I think they're flying a little bit under the radar and they're going to surprise some teams simply because they can shoot the basketball. I'm a Perkins guy. I've always felt like when their team really has reached its max the last few years, because you always knew what Luca would bring. You knew what the Murrays were going to give you. It always felt like to me that when Perkins played above whatever average is for his him, that's when that team – Really, kind of took it to a next level. What What are we expecting this year from? Can he go from being a guy to being like the man? Is that or or is it just we kind of know what he is now? It's kind of up and down. But I, to me, like when he's playing really well, that's a guy I do not want to play against. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he'll he's had about ten games in his career where he's been the best player on the court. Looks like an all league guy, just like you're talking about. It was interesting about him and. And you've said this for many years uh, to your listeners and the people who follow Iowa and Iowa State. It's such a team game. Uh, chemistry is such a part of it. And you take Perkins a couple years ago when he had Bohannon. Bohannon, you have to pick Bohannon up when he comes across half court. And you have to have you're, – you're basically, when you're playing with a kid like Bohannon, you're playing four-on-four. Four. And so with Perkins playing four-on-four four, – he becomes almost unstoppable getting downhill. There's so much more space. Well, then you come back last year and are like, well, Perk didn't play, didn't have as many big games, and he maybe wasn't consistent. Well, Bohannon's not there anymore. So now you've yeah. got that weak side defender's got a foot on the three-point line and can dig and can scrap and c- collapse during the drive. It's, it's a totally different game. I mean, your, your teammates do matter. Life is a lot easier when Monty Morris is your point guard and you're yeah. running up and down and you're getting wide open shots compared to you're playing with a freshman who doesn't know how to pass. I mean, so I think Perk with the better spacing this year, with more shooting weapons around him, I think he goes back to having a handful of those 30 point nights where he's the man and he's dominant and he's getting to the rim. Um, but I, to me, that's a big part of it. I didn't think his game changed much last year. I just yeah. think he didn't have that ultimate weapon on the wing. That's that's good insight. What about this uh, Cricky kid from Valparaiso? He, um, by all means, was a really good Missouri Valley player. Uh, how That's a big transition, going from the Valley to the Big Ten. But, again, like my little birdies that I've been reaching out to, it, it certainly seems like they're optimistic that he's up for the challenge. Yeah, it, he just seems like a Fran McCaffrey guy, doesn't he? Uh, it does. It's a good a way to put guys, it. Yeah, not a lot of guys wanted him. Mid-major guy. Um, can he come to this level? Thought the same. I remember when Philip Robracha got on campus a couple years ago, and it's like, man, this is this might not work out. You know, I, I hated it. I didn't think yeah. he could do it, and he proved me wrong. Yeah, me too. Right, yeah. me too. Um, you, you know, he's listed at six ten or whatever. And then you stand next to him on campus, like I, I think Phelps six four. Like you know, you just it, you're, you're like yeah. this probably isn't going to work out. This is the Big Ten, but yeah, no, he coach has such a good does such a good job of putting these guys in a position to succeed. He's very good at running play sets for people, so you're confident 
that you're going to get the ball four or five times a half in a spot that works for you and you can do something with it. That's a huge part about offensive coaching. It's not just motion offense. It's not cutting and screening. It's, hey, I need the ball four or five times a half in a spot where I can score, where I can get to catch it and get some confidence. So I I think he will be just fine. And and I the kid out of the the the, the freshman um, I, his mind is slipping my mind, but he's a dominant rebounder. The kid who would on the European tour, he's he's a dominant cl- glass cleaner. I, I got it for you. Hold on, I know yeah. exactly who you're talking about. Uh, Owen Freeman. Yes, they've they've been. I've I've talked to several assistants, and they are very high on him. So you're right. Can you come in right away and make an impact? They they think he can. So the last couple of years with Robacha being undersized, they've gotten beaten on the glass several games. Th- that might change. So I, I think they're excited about their front line. Coach McCaffrey years ago, when he was a young coach, uh, TJ the same way. Uh, they just these guys they they decided that they're going to manage r- their roster, which has been successful for both of them. You're going to try to get older, try to bring in experienced guys, even if they're flying under the radar, and and they don't want drama. They, they just don't want guys who are about themselves. Um, I, I talked to Coach McCaffrey I, I've, of the last couple of years, and I've mentioned this on the air a few times. I said, how, how can you score 90 points in a game and only turn the ball over four or five times? Like, that's just not possible. Like, like we said before, the only guy in the history of college basketball or in our modern era who could play up and down with speed and not turn the ball over was Monty Morris. He's the only guy. I don't know how he did it. Mm-hmm. But this Iowa team the last couple of years, they do not turn the ball over. And they're scoring 90 points, and they're flying up and down the court. How do you do it? And Coach McCaffrey will tell you, here's the secret. He told me that he'd say, Here, here's the secret, Jess. I go to an AAU event, and I watch players play, and if they shoot the ball too much and they're selfish and they turn the ball over, I don't recruit them. So he said, people think it's some there's some secret behind me coaching. It's like, no, it's personnel. I want unselfish guys who make the extra pass, who love their teammates, who go to class, who don't want the drama and want to get better. Well, okay. Well, that's that's worked really well for him, and I, I don't see any difference with this team, and I, I think the front line will surprise a lot of people. I think a couple weeks in, we'll be talking talking a lot about how they're they're playing pretty well in the glass. Reminds me of uh, Mike Leach used to say this when because his quarterbacks would always complete like 75% of their passes. Well, some of it's the system, but yeah. if you would ask Leach, what do you look for in a quarterback? Because all of his quarterbacks would put up these crazy stats, and he would say accuracy. That's all I care about. Yeah. He's like, if he's not accurate in high school, he's not going to be accurate at this level. And I need my guy to be accurate. It's the number one thing with me. And like, to your point, good with, stuff. with what Fran's trying to do, that makes a ton of sense. Last guy I wanted to ask about, I think I'm pretty familiar with Sanford. I think I know what he's going to be. Dix is the guy who, to me, could kind of change the trajectory of this team as far as defense goes. He feels like he may be... As far as an on-ball defense, am I wrong there? Like it, it seems like he he's got that aspect to him where he can also shoot the ball. I don't know. We didn't see enough. We we st- we did see him last year, but again, like these are different roles now. Yeah. When you when you lose some of your your studs, he kind of feels like a key to me because I think I know what Sam Fort's going to be. I think at this point I know what Patrick McCaffrey is. What do you think about Dix and his development going into the year? I think he's going to have a big year, and and the coaches think he's going to have a big year, and they think he's a weapon, and they think he's going to rise up and uh, not be afraid of the moment. He's chomping at the bit. 
He feels like he belongs. An incredible shooter. And again, it's just, it's so weird when you break down tape as you do, as I do for a living. And you see these great defensive teams like Iowa State, like a West Virginia, like a Michigan State, and you study them. You're like, they stunt and they rebound and they're physical. And and then a, a team like Oklahoma or a team like Iowa comes in and beats those teams by 15 on the road. And you're like, what happened? Their defense, mm-hmm. how, how do you beat a great defensive team? Well, three-point shooters. When you have four or five of them and two or three of them coming off the bench that can shoot, you can get four or five great defensive possessions in a row, and then you know you get Bohan and Kingsbury range, bang, 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 four or five out of six, and and all of a sudden you're down eight, even though you played good defense. That that three point line is really complicated the way coaches think, and he's just another one in line here. I think that's going to stretch a defense and go down and guard for you. I, I think he can be a double figure scorer many nights for the Hawkeyes, um, and and Sanford, like you said, Sanford has proven that he he has hit some big shots in his career. I, I, you know, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, I consider myself to, uh, you know, I could make some big plays down the stretch and then, and, and come through in the clutch a lot, but these guys like, like Bohannon, like Sanford, they hit these deep shots, a hand in their face with the game on the line. I mean, they're just a different, yeah. they're, they're like that all pro cornerback that just, you get beat and you just forget the misses. They don't think about the misses. They just think about the makes, and they're built differently than, than the rest of us. Sanford had a really, I, I thought, good first couple of years where he they didn't ask him to do too much, and they put him in spots yeah. where he could really be successful, and now you know, he goes up to that different. He's kind of the old school guy that we've been talking about where you get to watch him develop, and then this is his this is his year to, to do that. Hey, get yeah. back to Harvest. Yeah. I appreciate you taking some time for me. I, I might bother you again during the basketball season if that's okay. Yeah. But keep us updated on games and stuff. We love watching you, man. Uh, miss talking to you every week, but maybe sometime when your life settles down, we can do that show again. We'll just do it online here. <laughs> I appreciate you, buddy. You mean a lot to me, and we've had a lot of fun. It's fun to talk Iowa and Iowa State. And My dad and uncle are, are calling me, telling me to get back on the combine, and I said, well, I'm, I'm talking to Chris. They said, well, <laughs> take your time. He's he's royalty. We, we can do it without tell you. The, Tell them I'll send them a bottle of whiskey for their troubles. If they <laughs> hey, uh, say hello to Hassel, and, and uh, yeah. thanks for, to all your listeners, and we'll, we may see you at Hilton this year. All right, brother. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. He is Jess Settles, uh, great dude. Really appreciate his time here on the CW pod. He really is one of a kind. And still, it's it's always a thrill for me to be able to to hang out with him. And he's, he was so so kind to, to everybody. And that shouldn't surprise you, but I said something to Hassel on two guys named Chris today about how Settles is one of those guys where even like on Cyclone Fanatic, it's like the majority of our posters just like him. He's just a good dude. Really smart basketball mind as well. All right. uh, That wraps up today's pod. Uh, I believe next week. Don't get too excited. I'm going to try and have my annual Halloween episode with a real life ghost hunter. I can't wait. It's one of my favorite shows of the year. We'll have more information on that. Go and buy yourself a bottle of Steeple Ridge bourbon. Mm. Remember, if you're new to bourbon, I would suggest the white label. If you got a little more of an established palate, I would suggest the black label. If you're crazy, go out and get the red label. Actually, that's a really good one. That's how I would describe it. 
That's what I would tell you to do. Thanks to my buddy Pat Hoffman and Steeple Ridge for sponsoring us here in the Channel Seed Studios. My name is Chris Williams signing off on this week's CW Pod. Thanks to Jess Settles for hopping on Iowa Everywhere. Iowa Everywhere.